Welcome to 10-Minute Investing Canada, your go-to podcast for market trends, company analysis, investment insights, and trending financial stories for the Canadian investor. And for the new to investing, tune in for the Beginner Investor Series, where we go over the fundamentals to get you started. And now, your host, Austin Benz. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is what I will call uh, maybe the official start of season two. And the episode six months ago was the unofficial end of season one, as I did take a pretty large hiatus, um, a few things going on outside of this, obviously. But anyway, I, I would like to get back to at least one every couple of weeks. So I'm hoping with this one, it will kick it off that. Hey, I just made another one. Um, I think when you take such a long break, it's easy to just keep taking a break. And I wanted to get one out here today. So uh, we'll maybe kick me into actually doing them again more frequently. So welcome to season two, unofficial um, or official start of season two. Apologize for the unofficial end of the first season of these. Um, but I do have a really interesting topic that I want to talk about today. It is December 24th. It's Christmas Eve. And I made sure to get in and record this one before I headed out to um my better house family side because i know there's some out there i have been telling them i was going to do this for the last month and I, I just haven't got to it they told me they're checking so i apologize to you gage out there and I, I hope you're listening to this one i hope you didn't uh, abandon me um my apologies on taking so long but this is my small christmas gift uh to you that i, I took some time here to get one out of the way and a really exciting topic that i like so Apologize to that and anyone else who's been who's been waiting. And I know there's a few people that have messaged me on Twitter and sent me emails. So I apologize to that. But uh, Gage, this one's for you, my man. So here's one that I'm I'm fairly excited about. Um, so KCCA, KRBN, and KLBN are KRBN and KLBN are the tickers that I'm going to be referring to here. These are all carbon credit ETFs, which I think is a pretty exciting space going forward. Um, you know, they're essentially just betting on the price of carbon credits. And I'll give maybe a little background on that. I'll talk about what differentiates the three of them. And then just some, you know, some factors of why I think these are going to be good going forward in the next few years. And maybe even the short term, too. I am actually quite bullish on all of these. And then also just the risk to the setup as far as the ETF goes, because I think it's good to understand what you're actually putting your money into. Um, typically, I do stocks, so they're fairly easy to understand, right? You get a piece of equity of that company. These are ETFs, and they're based off the futures market. So I'll discuss that a little bit as well, just so we can understand, um, you know, what, what you're putting your money into. So essentially, you know, quick rundown. I, I listen, and I'll preface this too. I, I read a transcript from a uh, podcast done where the uh, the uh, MD, the managing director of Crane Shares, so these are all Crane Shares ETFs, um, he was interviewed and, and talked about this. So he, he kind of prefaced it with saying, hey, what reason we did this, I think everyone's aware, you know, in 800,000 years of ice uh, deposits and, and drilling in the ice, they've usually found about 150 to 250 million um, carbon parts or carbon parts per million, sorry. Last 100 years, it's gone up to 400. So there's a carbon problem. I think everyone's heard about that. There's a few names, greenhouse gases, carbon emissions, whatever you want to call them. Um, and the government policy behind this, that's, that's the governments around the world have started to use, is a carbon credit system. So essentially what you're doing 
you're limiting the amount of emissions for a geographical area with a cap of carbon credits. Companies then compete for those credits um, through auctions or secondary sales. And the number shrinks every year. So that's a really important point to note. Every year, the amount of carbon for that geographical area, um, it does shrink. Now, this isn't a policy that the whole world has adopted yet. You know, some of the biggest polluters like India and China haven't yet. There's talks that China actually may think about something like this. Um, but they also said that they're probably looking to peak their emissions by 2030. And then they'll look at reducing at that point because um, obviously with economic growth comes emissions. That's why the U.S. is one of the biggest polluters or, or had been for years and years and years. And now they've been passed by China and India. You know, you have these countries that are trying to come up out of poverty. You need energy to do that. Energy causes carbon credits. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the whole cycle of what's going on there. But, you know, there may, there may be some other markets that pick this up, I think, as they become more developed and, and the markets that have may continue to expand on these policies. But essentially, the point I want you to know is that the supply shrinks. Every year, there's less of these carbon credits. So you're incentivizing businesses to become greener, to, to use less carbon. And in fairness, they'll have to buy less carbon credits. Everyone does that. The demand should go down. But you're shrinking the supply. So even if you're going to shrink uh, emissions by the same amount of supply shrinks, which is controlled by you know, the, the regulators and these governments, um, government entities, then they, they should stay fairly constant. If you can't shrink the supply or can't shrink your demand with the supply, then the demand should go up just based off people needing these. So um, obviously, if you're on a greener business, you're going to be incentivized by this plan. If you can't find a way to make your business greener, you're going to have to keep paying more and more for these carbon credits and they're going to get more expensive as there's less. Um, so there's a blended price right now. The global blended, blended price for these carbon credits is about $40 per ton of carbon. Um, and the majority of forecasts see these going to around $100 and $150 in the upcoming years. So um, quite a lot of money to be made or, or just a, an increase in the price of these carbon. So there's going to be people paying a lot more for these carbon credits in the future. That's where these ETFs come into. Um, so there's three primary spaces that they play into, which is where you're getting these three these three uh, ETFs from. So there's a regional greenhouse gas initiative. This was put together by East Coast states. So Maine, Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Vermont, Virginia. You can look at their website. Um, they have a lot of information on what they do there. Um, this is they're known as the RGGI, so Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. It's the RGGI uh, states. So that's, that's one area. Um, you also have California. The California market, which no surprise, California seems to be incredibly left wing. They're all about um, green energy, of course, that they've adopted this as well. And then, you know, there's the EU and the European zone. So some of these European countries. Now, interesting enough, the price of carbon per ton is different in all of these sectors. So I said the blended price was about 40 per ton. Um, that's blended for this KRBN uh, ETF. So that's the global carbon index. It holds all three of these. So there's the Eurozone, um, the RGGI zone in California, but 70% of that's Eurozone. Um, and the, the carbon or price per ton in Eurozone is about 68 a ton for carbon. It's about 28 a ton in the California market, and it's about 13 a ton in the RGGI market. So you're getting a blended cost in that, uh, in that KRBN with the global carbon index. California, obviously, we'll watch California. Um, but again, the blended price is about 40. We're seeing it to go, or the forecasts are around 100 to 150. And that's going to depend on these different areas as well, these different um, different markets. And then that is going to play on how, how you're going to, uh, how you're going to want to choose to invest in this. Now, I will say I've had some conversations. So I have a friend that he is a ESG analyst for 
one of the major banks here in Canada. So this is his space. He plays in this zone a lot. Uh, this is what he specializes in. And him and his team have had calls with this. Uh, I believe his name is Luke Oliver. He's the, the managing director of these uh, crane shares ETFs. You know, and he's told them a few things just from the conversations I've had with them. And, and he made reference to some of this on his podcast as well. This is public information. Um, so I feel very comfortable speaking to it, even though it was given to an analyst um, in a private conversation that they had. But what they're seeing in California now, he said, is very similar to what they saw in the EU in the European zone previously, where the carbon per ton, price per ton was holding around $30 when it spiked to 68 really quickly, really rapidly. And you're starting to see that in California. Um, and it may happen in this RGGI zone as well. Uh, he said the one major mistake he sees people make when they look at carbon, though, is you think, OK, well, Europe's at 68. The rest have to go there. And that's not necessarily the case, right? You're, you're talking about three different government entities, three different um, um, bodies that are kind of running these prices and deciding the price per ton. So, you know, depending on how aggressive they want to get with these green initiatives, you could maybe argue that the Eurozone is going to go to 100 before the RGGI zone gets to 20 or 30 or whatever that is. So don't only look at it as, hey, the ones that are cheaper, these are going to have to catch up. Um, you know, maybe in a sense, that's that's true. But you just don't know. Um, and, and also with the KRBN, the global index, as I mentioned, uh, this Luke Oliver, this, this managing director, I hope his name's Luke Oliver because I said it three times now. If that's wrong, that's embarrassing on my end. Um, but he has said that as they add, as new markets come into, into the carbon credit game, you know, if China was to add, they'll be added to this KRBN, this global index. So that could add some other markets that maybe start out lower and then you see a lot of appreciation. So I would say don't write off KRBN. It would be your most pure play um, system or your pure, best pure play to touch all these markets. Um, I'm actually most excited about the California market, not only for those comments as I mentioned that what they're seeing in California, they think um, they're going to move to something like where the EU levels are at, the $68, which would be um, more than double where they're at now. I just think California seems like a really good play for, for a few reasons, right? They've had a ton of fires there. Everyone hears about the California fires every year. Um, you know, their governor, Gavin Newsom, has just said California wants to get off of nuclear power by 2025 they do have some nuclear power there. they're getting rid of it uh which you know side note i think is a little bit ridiculous nuclear power seems to be the greenest power source there is and i think they should be leading into that not leading away but i digress on that point um they're looking to remove nuclear power now i don't know if there will be enough of this green energy available in california to run that whole country. There's a ton of people there. Yes, people are migrating out, but their population is still massive. And if you have one major energy crisis, and again, this is a conversation that I had, had spoken to with my friend, the, the uh, analyst there at, uh, at the big banks. You know, he said the same thing. If you have one um, situation where there's an energy crisis, you know, maybe brought on by more fires, whatever it may be, um, and you need to start leaning into coal or natural gas, even as a temporary Thing, right just as a temporary thing hey we need this energy um just to power our province everyone's getting teslas right where are you gonna put that what are you gonna how are you gonna get that electricity how are you gonna get that energy if you have a situation where you need to lean into um, things like coal for electricity or, or natural gas and and up that even in the short term you know that's gonna make your carbon credit price skyrocket because you're gonna have way more demand for these things. There's not gonna be you're not gonna be able to get the green energy or you wouldn't need the carbon credits to use that energy. You're gonna have to lean into these carbon credits. So I think there's a lot of potential in the California one. That one's KCCA. Um 
this is really anecdotal again, just from the conversation I had with my friend who follows this quite well uh, and is heavily invested himself. He said anything under $25 for KCCA, he sees as a steal. Um, he said anything under 30, he likes it. Um, but he thinks anything under 25 is a steal. I would look at all the markets though too. I still think KRBN is a good one just because you're getting access to, um, you know, all of these different markets and, and you're getting access to EU if they keep, if the Eurozone keeps going uh, more liberal and, and making it harder to use fossil fuels and, and things like that. You're going to get that appreciation as well. Plus you get the touch on California, you get the touch on the RGGI zone. So I still think that one's a good play. Um, another benefit to these two, if you're adding them to a portfolio, they're really non-correlated to the market. Um, yes, the argument could be made, hey, well, if the market's tanking, there's probably not a lot of development. We won't need as much power. That's true. You know, you're not going to be using as much energy when the economy's not growing and thriving, but it doesn't mean power shuts off, right? The market's crashed before too. People still had to drive, they had to get places. They still heat their homes. You know, we don't just stop using energy. We use a lot of energy. is isn't going to stop anytime soon. Um, we might use less in those times than, than when the economy is booming and we're making tons of products and building new homes and all this stuff's going on, but we still use energy. So I, I think that's a bit of a, a null argument or um, I, I don't know if I'd fully buy that, you know, it's completely correlated with the market due to energy we're using in boost. So I do think it's not correlated to the market. Um, quickly want to touch on this before I end this podcast because I am over the 10 minute mark here. These are tracking futures. So, you know, big money, institutional money that has access to the futures market, they have been trading carbon credits for a while. These are some of the first products I've seen personally. I think there might be a couple more, but they're all fairly new. Um, giving the retail investor access to, um, you know, carbon credits and they're purchasing the futures for us. Now, what does that mean? What's one of the downsides, which I kind of mentioned before, one of the risks when you're buying an ETF that's based on futures, you're not getting direct access to the dollar exposure, right? So for, for loose numbers, just easy to follow. California, let's say they're $30 a ton um, per, per carbon. If they go to $60 a ton, you don't get double on your share price. That doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, because especially with carbon credits, all the forecasts, as I mentioned, saying that these carbon credits are going to increase. We don't know how fast, but they think they're going to increase. So you have a futures market that's in Contango is what it's called, which means there's an upward slope. So again, loose numbers. If the spot price, so the price today of these is, is $28, maybe the price in six months, the future, the six month future is $33. Um, and then the year future is $36. So as you roll these contracts over, as you know, let's say you're buying, they'll have a, a, a array of futures that they'll package together to put these ETFs together. They'll have three months, six months, year long you know if you're buying these these futures at let's say 33 for six months out 33 dollars and the spot price is 30 if it doesn't go up in 30 or it doesn't go up it doesn't move from 30 in six months now you paid 33 well as you expire you're gonna have to roll that over back at 33 and the spot was only 30 dollars. so you're gonna be losing money on this um you know in the rollover process because of the upward curve in the futures market um there's a lot kind of that goes into that. I, I'm not going to, that was a very rough outline of the way that works and how futures market works. There's a lot more to it. There's a reason it's institutional money and you know, your, your CFAs, your uh, PhDs of finance, like it's, it's really intelligent people that, that work in those, those markets. There's a reason it's an institutional playground. Um, but essentially just so you have a, a rough understanding that, Hey, I, I need to know that if I see something go from 30 to 60, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm getting double on my stock. Um, but as the spot price continues to go up and all the futures prices go up, you will still see appreciation. So it might not be dollar for dollar. It just depends how things work out. 
Um, but think about that in your risk profile when you are investing. It's, it's not going to be a dollar for dollar um, easy trade to see. Hey, I'll just keep watching the spot price. If I go up 50, if they go up 50%, I should be up 50%. It's not quite that simple. So something to note there, but I still think there's a lot in this, uh, in this carbon credit space and all the talk of the green energy and all that. I actually think carbon credits are a good way to kind of get a piece of that pie that are not as correlated to the overall market as maybe um, a green company would be where, you know, they're still looking to make sales. This is, you know, if companies need to operate that are not green enough, they need to buy these just to keep operating. So um, a little bit easier maybe than a product that you're selling that people could just not buy in downtimes. But anyway, something to explore. I hope to do a follow up on this um, as we go forward. I, I'd love to do another one six months from now and just see where we're at. Because I think the next three to five years for carbon credits. You know, I've heard even some forecasts say in 10 years that these are going to be 10x. So, um, you know, Anytime you can get a 10x, even if it takes 10 years, that's a that's a really good play. So, again, it might not be 10x just because of the futures market, but something to to entertain. Um, glad to be back. Hope you enjoyed this one. Again, I, I am planning on doing more, so keep the emails going. I apologize to anyone that sent emails in the last few months that I haven't really uh, responded or done an episode about that. Uh, I'm hoping to be more frequent going forward. So, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, Happy New Year. Probably won't see you or won't do another one till till the New Year, but. Um, it was good to be back here and, and good to get on it. So Merry Christmas, Gage. Take care. Thanks for listening to 10 Minute Investing Canada. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you had a good time, leave a review to help us grow the podcast and connect with us on Twitter at 10investing for daily content and to let us know what you'd like to hear discussed next. Until then, we'll see you next time.